when those DNCs, the do not calls and the, you know, do not knock registers and everything like that come out, the easiest way to get around those is advertising a hundred percent. And, and so if you're uh, putting a proximity advertising on social channels, where it's Facebook or it's anything like that, the geographical targeting, if, if you're doing that you're, and you put value in front of people, people will give you their information. If mm-hmm. you give them actual value, whether it's, you know, yeah, and it could be as simple as this is the list of every home that's sold in the last year. And, and yeah. that's publicly available data, but it's just stuff that they can't really find very easily. Um, so if you say, here, download every home that's you know sold in the Forest Ranch area in 2022 uh, and what they sold for, the bed bath, the square footage, everything like that, and you put that on a graphic and you, and you, and you target your farm with it on direct advertising, you don't have to go door knock. Welcome to Rethink Real Estate. My name is Ben Brady, and this is a real estate podcast aimed to deliver sales strategies, marketing tips, and business insights from industry experts and myself to build a listing-focused business for the future. Let's get into it. Well, we're back with uh, Mr. Chris Cochran uh, here on Rethink Real Estate. Folks, if you haven't already jumped on and given us a follow, like, or subscribe to us, if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening to a podcast, it would mean the world to us. It immensely helps us to cast the audience out even further, especially when there's valuable com- content coming out of the real estate marketing machine himself, Mr. Chris Cochran. First of all, folks, if you're watching, Chris is in a different, little bit of a different background um, to when he was on one of the other episodes that he was on. Mate, have you edged that guitar in just a little closer to the camera? <laughs> I leave it there so I can keep an eye on it when I'm on when I'm talking to you, so my four-year-old doesn't come in and break it. Like it is, <laughs> it is my prized possession. And if my four-year-old comes in here and breaks my guitar, at least I would see it happen uh, while I'm staring at you. So. The beautiful part about this is that you've, I've heard that you've marched the family out of the house. So there's no screaming or anything. Is that right? Correct. Yep. I've shipped them off. Uh, they are going to now work in Australia, just like we used to. So yeah. <laughs> Very good indeed. Uh, but, uh, but folks, I guess that um, today, the, the main thing that I wanted to talk to Chris about today was marketing automation in the real estate landscape. This is a, a topic that we see people um, very shallow on from their own independent perspective. You've either got the agents that have got really big teams, you know, they've employed somebody to do all of their marketing content, or they've outsourced it to somebody. So I want to talk about that today, Chris, um, with you, I want to talk about the automation factors, I want to talk about just some of your opinions on that. But I also want to talk about the agents that outsource them the 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 so called automation of their marketing as well, because I really feel like it just doesn't hit like you can tell so clearly when an agent has seriously outsourced their social media presence or their or any of their digital presence whatsoever and are just not interacting with it what are your yeah. thoughts on that yeah 100% i mean the hardest thing for any marketing agency as a whole in any industry is relating to the business that they're serving and so if you're outsourcing to someone who really doesn't have a vested interest in your business they're not going to you're not going to see success they're not going to be invested in actually you um, reaching the right audience, you reaching the right audience with the right content, uh, and then reaching them at the right time. So I always think that's the hardest thing for any agency. But like when you try to find it from a cheap outsource situation, it's going to be even worse. Like the best agencies in the world are the ones who care and they charge a pretty penny to care. So um, I I think it's, it's, you could like buyers, sellers, everybody can spot it a mile away when you see uh, the same listing posting over and over and over uh, with the same, you know, graphic just sold just like happy clients and all this stuff. And it's just kind of generic 
tech speak in the mm. in the captions and it's not really providing any real value to anybody who's looking to sell or buy a home these days so i guess that like like let's say that somebody doesn't have the capabilities in order to actually do it themselves like they just you know you know the the technology illiteracy out there at the moment is is certainly quite high certainly when you look at the average age of a realtor is that it's certainly up there a little bit further and if they're not willing to take the time in order to you know a lot of realtors aren't even willing to take the time in order to train themselves let alone you know train themselves on something incredibly new you can see that reaction to some realtors when auction comes up they they get a little bit prickly about it because it's something new and it's ultimately a threat where would you say is a good starting point for an agent that might be doing you know maybe i don't know 10 or 15 transactions a year you know 50% of their businesses listings 50% of its buyers what do you think is a is a viable uh, you know, plan for them by way of whether it's automation or whether it's an agency or, or what are your thoughts? I think there's a couple different ways. There, there's a way to get your voice heard through automation, 100%. Uh, and working with someone who's an automation specialist or an agency or anything like that to basically get your voice out there at mass. And we're talking about your voice after, you know, open homes that you're running, um, new listings, uh, farming a certain area, um, little things like that can be automated and they can actually work at scale in the real estate industry. The other side of this is grab someone who's actually vested in your business. Um, grab someone who is close to you. Um, I started um, as a marketing assistant on a team and this was 12 years ago or something like that. I was very cheap. I was very cost effective at the time, um, which was great. I wasn't making anything near like a, a normal living wage, <laughs> which was awesome, but I was fresh out of college and I was hungry and I wanted to learn. And so yeah, I wanted to learn the real estate industry. I wanted to learn, um, you know, how to sell homes and stuff like that. But I also had this marketing insight and this marketing capabilities. So I, I paired that. Um, I paired my social media, my website presence and everything like that with a team and, and was able to then, you know, provide value while they also provide value to me. So I, I think there's uh, ways that you can do it uh, from both sides. You can go external and you can basically pick the avenues that you want to be successful in. And I would say the avenues from like, do you want to be successful on Facebook? Do you want to be successful on Instagram? Pick one, focus. Um, don't go all over the board. Focus to where your clientele is. And then grab an agency from that standpoint who can automate some stuff or bring someone in-house who can kind of document and kind of capture what you guys are doing uh, and do it at a very cost-effective thing. Do it from an internship, do it from, um, you know, fresh out of college uh, and teach them the ropes, teach them how it is to, you know, run in a real estate business. And I would guarantee if they're anything like me, they'll get addicted to it and they'll stay up, you know, all night trying to figure out uh, this puzzle that is the real estate marketing game. So I, I guess that like, so let's say that somebody went down the avenue of actually, you know, putting somebody on in a part-time perspective, they might be fresh out of college or something along those lines. Um, and I, I guess that would you have them like, let's say that they've got a geographical farm area. Would you have them sort of do some research on that farm area, pull a database of people together, try and then digitally door knock them by way of, you know, following them or, or asking for them to follow you on social media or on that individual platform. What would you say if you were going to give like a three or four or five step plan for that individual person, if they were going to make that investment, what would you say that person should be doing? Yeah, I would say give them control of the database. Um, that's that's what my team did for me. Um, so I went in immediately to an absolute data mess um, completely. And that's like 
sugarcoating it right there. Um, there was 80,000 contacts of which maybe 800 knew who we were and actually wanted to do business with us. And we were a pretty sizable team at that point. So kind of whittling that down to, you know, whatever that is, one 10% um, is, is pretty drastic at that point. And so uh, give them full access of that. Um, let them categorize the database how they want to, and then pick out which um, social media or which uh, platform, doesn't even have to be a social media, but which platform you're going to be successful on. So are you going to focus on blogs? Are you going to focus on uh, white papers? Are you going to focus on Facebook? Are you going to focus on Instagram, YouTube, like whatever it is at that point, let them then focus um, because you're never going to get anything done trying to kind of do a shotgun approach of, of spreading everything too thin. Uh, and then I would then focus on um, the target areas that you really, really, really want to capture. So um, we, we focused specifically in Rancho Bernardo um, in the North County of San Diego. And then we dove in even deeper than that. So then we focused on to the Forest Ranch area and the Greens um, specifically. Um, and we did everything from hold events to actual door knocking. I, I went door knocking. like And little things like that teach um, this person basically the ropes, basically teach them how to be a young young agent, a hungry agent. I held open homes. I, I was there for the open homes. I was there on listing presentations. L entwining them and entrenching them in your business is the only way you're going to get content that is actual, actually valuable to home sellers and buyers. They start understanding the conversations and the questions that are being asked from those specific people. Yeah. I, uh, so so really, there's there's the nurturement of what already exists in somebody's business. So let's say that they're an agent yep. that's been established for a, a period of time they can afford or has the time and energy in order to actually put somebody on like this is that then they're obviously going through and refining what is already there from a nurture perspective and being more aware and top of mind and then there's also then the growth avenue of how do we grow that soi how do we grow that sphere how do we then keep in contact with them as much as possible so they're all really great points one of the things like like let's dive down deeper into the avenue of where would somebody find somebody like this chris like i know that that's a very broad question but i've got to be honest is that the question that i get so often from anybody that we communicate with is that or or the statement that is made is Ben, I want to create a team. And automatically, I know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to try and do it for a period of time. They're going to find somebody that's okay. And then that person is going to actually leave them. And then they're going to feel devastated about it. They're going to feel betrayed. They didn't. And then what happens when they bring a next person in, if they actually even go there, which I would say even 25% of people will bring somebody else in, then they don't give them full control and they don't give them full access because they feel like they're going to be uh, for lack of better terminology, betrayed again. Okay. Um, but where I'm going with all of this is that, is that, is it imp like, I think it's important to use that first person, or even if you're not using a first person to build some type of system in place. So I don't want it to sound like people are a commodity and that you just burn through them. But if you lose somebody, then they walk back into a system that you're trying to build or use that person to build a system, document that system. So then they come, so the next person comes into a so-called system. So it then, you know, the learning curve isn't as steep. So tell me where, where would somebody go and find somebody like this, Chris, where, where could they go and look? Yeah. Well, first let me, let me scale back to that a little bit. Um, I, in my personal experience, so I've never built a team. I, I, that's just not my expertise, but, um, from my standpoint, I stepped into somebody else's role. Same, same exact scenario that you're, you're speaking about. They moved on. Um, they started their own marketing agency. Um, good for them. And they put it on an ad, the team put out an ad on Craigslist and I was already kind of in the area and I was looking to kind of find my way into an office. Um, and they put it on an ad and I answered the ad and that's how I joined in. And then same thing right happened right after me. So I then 
um, learned from the person who came right before me. Um, so there was a kind of a transitional period where they hired that agency, the, this uh, one person, one uh, one person agency. Um, I learned a little bit about what they were doing and what they were having success with on that team. Uh, and then I passed the same thing on too. So it was kind of like they were propping and they were building and empowering this role to start their own agency over mm -hmm. and over and over, which was great. Um, so then the clientele, like uh, the person like myself afterwards, um, I started my own agency afterwards, and then I would have all the clientele of the people in the office. And so I was able to get a leg up and they were encouraging this situation. They were encouraging us to learn from the other agents in there and then to get close with the other agents in there, not from a competition standpoint, but from yeah. like actually just learning what works. And and we're all in different farm areas. We, we were covering, you know, San Diego County, which, you know, is, is very massive. It's not yeah. like we're in, you know, a, a one horse town. Um, and there was plenty to go around at that point. So, um, I would say if, if you're running a team, employ the same metric. You want them to have success. You want them to leave you. You want them to outgrow you. Um, because if that make, if that happens, that means that they provided so much value to your business that they, they get to go somewhere else at this point. And so, um, and it, there should be a miss, there should be a hole when they leave your business. Um, but that hole can be refilled by, you know, having good relationships, treating them like human beings, and then letting them or encouraging them to upskill the person who then comes in and steps into that role directly afterwards. So um, I would say that is, that is the number one thing. But from where to find these people, um, we've posted on, you know, college job boards, we've posted on um, Indeed, uh, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, like we, we posted kind of all over the place to find these people. We've used our own resources and, and people we have networked with. We've gone on, literally we've hired someone in the past. I've hired someone in the past. We went on a listing presentation and their kid was a photographer uh, and a videographer and wanted to make YouTube content. We, we said, perfect. We, we love that. Like we want you to learn that for yourself and do it, do everything like that. But if you want to ever kind of learn that from a business standpoint, we love to have you in our office. And yeah. that person stepped in, they started shooting content in our office all the time. And then they stayed and, and that, that's the, they transitioned into the business world from some skills that they already had. So yeah. you can find them anywhere. Well, I think that I think that this is a really good turning point here, Chris. That we really need to make an emphasis on is the fact that um, there's no question that the the reason that you've come back on board in our business is that we've identified that content is the new um, is the is the new resource or the new commodity out there in the real estate space. In any of the business spaces, is that content is now king. And again, is that if we don't embrace that, we could be really an individual could be really left behind. I would go as far as to say that this role could be more important than an assistant, okay? More important than, you know, bringing a buyer's agent on board. Now, this role can obviously play multiple individual lanes, but I think that if it had a primary focus in order to make sure that you are top of mind, that they are, you know, focusing on your digital presence out there, and because that digital presence is so vast now and you need to attack so many different avenues to have any type of effect. Now, I know Chris said, you know, do one individual you know, lane and pick that, but that's in the beginning. And then you need to start branching out, I believe. Do you think that's important, Chris? Yeah. And when I say one individual lane for this role, I mean, from like your external communications, uh, I'm not saying one individual lane for like this role has to be all solely focused on, you know, um, making my Instagram presence better. No, 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 no. That, that, there's not enough time in the day. And like, because of the way the algorithm works and because of the way like mass following and everything like that's been kind of suppressed and you can't do stuff like that, that there's no real need to be uh, clicking buttons on Instagram every single day, eight hours a day. That's just not a situation that would be beneficial for your business. That's 
that's where I would say this role plays in the other aspects of the business that are really important. And that's where I would say, you know, it goes into your uh, marketing automation, your email marketing, your website, it goes into some of the admin roles. I've seen great marketing people who are also TCs uh, yeah. in, in the business and stuff like that. So there's a lot of different ways and whatever their interest kind of leads them into and whatever you're trying to match from like a role to position. Um, I, I would say let them play in, a, in other places too. Like I would say, you know, I've seen marketing people answer the front desk. Like, yeah, like yeah, you can yeah. do kind of anything at that point. Yeah. The role of curiosity means that there's such a, there's there's a diversity in their ability. There's a diversity in their curiosity, I guess. So, the one one question I've got for you: Would you recommend that somebody, obviously, that's going to make an investment of this because they understand that this is the future of real estate, this is the future of any real progressive business? Is that is that? Do you think it would be like 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 I know that there's people listening right now going they're zoning out and they're just like this is way too intimidating. There's no way I'm going to do this. Um, but would you recommend potentially? bringing that person on in order to manage a relationship with an external agency for maybe a few months, if you could get a few month contract to then sort of learn the ropes a little bit from them um, and then sort of put their strategy in play and remove the agency. Is that, is that an approach or what do you think? That, that's definitely an approach uh, and it has been successful in the past. And that's kind of the roles that I've handled in certain businesses in the past where I've stepped in, you know, there's been an agency kind of leading the ship at that point. And then it's my job to manage them, but also at the same time, I'm learning from their skills at that point. And if if you're young enough, but I, I would say the, the biggest thing from a business and a caveat to this is, can your business afford that? Can your business afford to go get an agency and stuff like that? The, the team that I joined uh, when I was very young, um, they did have, you know, someone external running their website and they did have someone external um, doing their print marketing and stuff like that. And I was able to learn from them and I was learning how to, you know, put things in certain places and make it look good on graphic design. And then, you know, same thing for the website and what, what drives traffic and everything like that. I was able to learn a little bit about that, but the business was able to, um, like afford that. And, and mm. so, um, I don't know if every business out there can, and if you're only looking to hire a one person, um, shop at this point, um, that's where, you know, an agency probably doesn't make sense for you to be able to kind of teach someone. Now there are, uh, courses, there are courses and there are, um, live events and stuff like that. Like I learned so much by going to things like Inman and things mm. like, uh, like SDAR and NAR and, and, and all the conferences and stuff like that. And that was one of the cool things about the team that I joined was they were very encouraging of going external and looking at, um, you know, learning resources and, and where can you learn from? And they, they were like, you want to take the day and you want to go learn how to go to this digital marketing conference, we'll pay for it. And, and yeah, we'll kind of okay. fund those things. And that's, that was huge to the success of our business. Yeah. So I guess that if we let's scale it down a little bit now, let's say that someone's not employing somebody on board. Yep. Um, uh, let's say that it's an agent that, you know, is, is not doing enough business in order to bring this role on or can't substantiate this role is that automation has been a word that you've said a few, few times now. And automation is incredibly attractive for somebody on an independent nature to not have to think about it as much. It doesn't say that it's going to do it all for you, but let's talk automation for a minute. Can you give us an indication of what some examples would be of automating different parts of somebody's real estate business? Yeah, first off, I think this is the untapped gem of the entire 
real estate industry, in my opinion. If I was a sole um, realtor and I was kind of farming an area, I would put all my eggs in the automation basket because I think it is it is the way. Like you said, content is king, but I also think at the second part of that, data is queen at that point. Like um, we you and marrying them together is where automation comes in. So if you have really good data and you have really good content, you can marry those together, and those are called automation. Um, and so one of the biggest thing from that standpoint, I think every open home should have auto automation around it. Someone checks into your open home, they should receive text messages before they leave the door. Um, and that's building your buyer funnel, that's building sellers that are neighbors stopping in by, and they're saying, wow, they, they did this. Uh, you know, and it's next level from what an agent would standpoint uh, stand for. Every just listed, every every just sold, every price reduction, everything should have automation from a communication standpoint, um, from you know an email standpoint out there. Um, there should be posts on you know social medias that you're, you're sending out and everything like that. But you could change them all, and so you can have all this basically set up where you know you set the listing and, and you put the listing together and put it in the MLS, and then directly after putting it in the MLS, you're focusing on you know the next two weeks worth of scheduling for that property property goes into escrow great like that's awesome um turn off all of those posts that you have going out in the next couple of weeks um but at that point at least you have all of them done so you can focus on your business and not actually focus on you know what's happening on social media or anything like that mm -hmm. i used to sit down every time we had a listing and we had a lot of listings at the time uh and i would sit there at night from you know 7 p.m to 10 p.m or whatever it took me and i would schedule posts out for literally the next month next 30 days for that property um in that market that was that was perfect for us and so i knew it was going to sell probably within 30 days so i would post out for 30 days and i would have all these posts scheduled i'd have all these emails scheduled uh, and i would put them on a content calendar that i knew what was going to happen at that point so give me an example of some of the products or some of the the things that you would use in order to automate but then give an example like let's let's talk about an example for for an agent a property comes on the market a listing comes on the market okay um what type of automation or what type of posts should we be looking at and how do we automate them yeah yeah so the the products that we used at the time were our crms and so we had everything from you know the top producer crm to boomtown roi and, and everything like that so we used the crm that we already had so um from a scheduling perspective from an email perspective um if you don't have that luxury at your brokerage that that's fine you can or if you just don't prefer their tools that's fine as well um, i would say external tools that i would look at is stuff like mailchimp stuff like you know hubspot stuff like um um th there's a bunch of email platforms so yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, there's the, so many there's so yeah. many of those yeah, yeah exactly so um i, I would I so would email on... so email's key we need email automation um, 100%. What, what are your what's your opinion if an email goes out like now do i do the social post at the same time or should i wait or yeah. So, so usually what would happen for us was the social post had happened first. Um, so the social post went out first. Uh, and when, when I say social post, one of the biggest pet peeves I have in the real estate industry is social posts with Zillow links. And maybe, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm old school and I come back from the age where we were still fighting Zillow. And, and, you know, I understand that that, that battle is lost and, you know, we, we've kind of moved, <laughs> moved on from that, but posting a listing to Zillow or a Zillow link on your social media profile is just giving them access to every other property um, yeah. at that point. And yeah. they can quickly move on from your property and go somewhere else. So I would, 
that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying post social links and everything like that. I'm well, the other thing, I, the, sorry, I don't want to interrupt this, but the other thing that I just is, is popped up into my mind is that I saw an article the other day. Um, the Real Deal put it out that um, Meta is actually stopping companies from putting um, from putting actual listing posts up on on their feed. So that's where another even uh, factor is that video is king, and not just these tiles that go out there, um, you know, announcing that listing and and things along those lines. Sometimes it's actually better to do a quick little selfie video, regardless of the imperfections and tell everybody about your listing and that might be automated i'm not sure thoughts yeah exactly so like that's where that's where i was leaning into i was saying the post at that point are you know actual photos of the property of unique selling points um it's it's videos of you walking through the property it's you know talking about the neighborhood it's talking about the restaurant down the street and stuff like that like it's it's things that kind of intertwine and uh let people envision themselves moving into that property um as well as at the same time it's things that helps you connect with sellers that are in that or potential sellers that are going to be in that uh, area as well so kind of you propping up this this listing hopefully in turn allows you to sell a property similar to that listing in that same neighborhood. In the I think because that's that's a mental set that everyone has to get around. As soon as you talk about the automation process of of what we're doing with it with a property once it goes onto the marketplace, is that it, you're not actually appealing to try and sell that property. Very 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 few properties sell based on the emails that you send out or the social media that you're doing. What you're doing is obviously communicating to your network and the agent and 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 the, and the neighborhood that you're an active person within that neighborhood and this is the type of exposure that you're giving that individual listing so that then they can see how active you are and then attracting them to you and getting an opportunity in order to sell their home when possibly they're thinking of doing so. Yeah, exactly. I, I always looked at it as I'm not going to sell the home from you know someone walking in the door and, and granted, I will like, it's going to happen. There's going to be, you know, out of the 80 people who show up to my open house, you know, there's going to be three to five who are, who are very interested and, you know, we can talk them in and, and kind of figure out some offers and put them on the table. But my, my thought processes was there's probably 15 to 20 people out of that 80 who are just neighbors who are neighbors and they're curious of what this home is. And if not more, and then the other ones would be buyers at that point, but they're not interested in this specific property at this specific time. Um, but a good portion of those would not have an agent. And so yeah. that, that's how I looked at it. And from an automation standpoint, the moment they left my, um, they left my listing, my open house, I wanted to be in their pockets. I, I wanted to be in their pockets when it came to a text message, uh, when it comes to an email, whatever it is, um, I would have everybody sign in on open house register the moment they would come into the property. And then I would be sending out text messages through easy texting or, or any platform that I kind of had a text messaging platform. And I would send them text the moment they left. Hey, thank you so much for stopping by my property. Um, by the way, here's a link. And I would have, you know, a predetermined link that I already had um, for other properties that are on the market in this area. If you would yep. like to see them, or if you'd like to schedule a private showing versus going to their open houses, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to show you them. And right. Uh, it, it turned my buyer's business around like yeah. like tenfold at that yeah. point because then I'm getting in front of people and they're like, wow, my agent wouldn't send me all these properties. Wow, my agent wouldn't offer to show me this on a, you know, tomorrow. And, yeah. and we were doing that. And so little things like that, that came from automation. That came from, you know, every 30 minutes um, in my open house, literally just clicking a button on my laptop that's sitting on there in a hotspot. Uh, and say, send email to all these people who will send through my register at this point. And so um, little things like that are game changing for a business. And I know some agents get away from open houses and stuff like that, but there's other avenues to to capitalize on the simplicity of automation like that.
so like it's also like an idea of a property like if you're farming a neighborhood and you've got a certain number of contacts within that neighborhood and a property sells and you didn't even sell it but letting them know from an automation text message that goes out to them because you've managed to collect enough data within that farm area itself because that's why you farm in order to nurture the data that you can collect in order to keep in touch with people and then sending them a quick text to say hey 38 smith street sold for this amount of money just recorded it was this 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 you know and keeping them updated here's a link to the actual listing itself or something along those lines but what we were talking about before mate is that we were talking about you know a property goes like let's try and do some type of sequence from a property going live all the way through to it to, to it closing let's talk about the different things that you can do and then we can summarize it again with some of the products that people can look into in order to automate yeah so when the property went live the moment a property went live uh we we had some kind of like uh external website builder um, at that point that built a landing page for us. And, and there's a bunch of them out there that are kind of built a quick landing page, or you could do that again yourself if you have the skills or the team or anything like that. So we used uh, a website landing page builder that would um, build a landing page out there for us. Um, from that standpoint, we would then schedule an email um, that would go out and that email would have photos in it. It, it would be very robust email. And then on the bottom, it would also have similar properties that were either in our brokerage um, that we, we can leverage, uh, or they were our other properties that were similar to this property. So they'd be packed full of information. And we would also have um, community tips and stuff like that in this same email that would go out. And so we would curate those um, every single month, we would basically bring together like five or six community things that were going on, whether it's, you know, everything from like t-ball uh tournaments to to anything uh anything that people would be interested in and so we, we were putting all those together uh in the same uh property basically announcement that would go out there so that people would open it and people would consistently find value in it and down the road they became so good that we ended up partnering with local businesses to put coupons in them and stuff like that at that mm. point so we would do like the winery and uh rancho bernardo winery and uh, rancho bernardo inn and stuff like that we would put in there people would open it even more because we would you know we would have coupons and stuff in there which was great um, but little things like that were great so we would send that email out we would have a social post that precluded that it would basically be um either the day before or earlier in the day um at that point that social post would then get shared um throughout our entire team and our entire brokerage so we basically went around and tried to elevate and it's it's similar to what you know the team here at harcourts does where um it's it's a community-based um post so anytime yeah. we post something uh, we encouraged the entire team to share it. And so we did the same thing. We set up a WhatsApp channel, um, I think is what it was at the time. It was either that or WeChat. Um, and then we would post the link um, to the post that we were um, sharing out there. And literally every one of our team members in the entire office would share this listing at that point. So then we can use it as a megaphone. It makes them look better. It makes them look like they're tied more to the yeah, property. It's, it's, it's ease of communication or ease of opportunity for the agents to actually be able to do that. So anybody within your agent community, if they could share that listing, hey guys, here's a link, please share it. You know, we don't mind even if you're claiming it as your own listing, as long as you're giving it the exposure that it needs. Um, quick exactly. question. Quick question. While while we get to this point, is that is that obviously making it easy for everyone to share it? But you set, mentioned at the at the beginning that you would create a landing page for that individual property. Is that to push all the traffic to? Is that to? Yeah. Is that yeah? Yeah, ideally, and and it was it was again the the aspect of not wanting to send them to Zillow. So it, it was the aspect of we we don't want them to send to a place where they can have easy access to every single listing at that mm. point. Like if if they want that, they have they have Zillow, they have the app for Zillow, they have it in their pockets. But if we're gonna like actually move efforts and you know paid and everything like that 
to drive someone somewhere, we're going to send them to a place that we can control. We can send them to a place that we can have, you know, guides on there for how to buy your first home. We can send them to a place where we can have things where we can capture information and actually create leads at that point um, from our standpoint. And it makes it easier for them to reach out to us. As, As you know, in Zillow, and even at the time, you know, they would, sponsor a bunch of different agents on your listing and they they would put those agents up there for the agents who paid and we we didn't want like we're doing the effort this is our listing at this point we didn't want someone else to be able to capitalize on that um specifically from our standpoint yeah there's products out there at the moment like real scout as well guys so that then you can you can send them a link to a listing but then any other listing that they they go and look at after that is that then it's got your name and contact information on it you can obviously see what other listings that they've shown interest in so then you can reach out and obviously have a conversation conversation with them about that. So after after going through and sharing it, um, getting getting the the team or the office or the or whoever it is, as many people as possible to share it, what would be the next sequence? Yeah. And and so just to preclude that a little bit, we we would um, all that would be automated from our standpoint outside of the photos for the listing itself. So we would build automation specifically through Zapier at the time. There, there's other av- uh, avenues. I think uh, Make is, is one of them that we use um, specifically in, in Harcourts. Um, but we would use Zapier at the time and, and we would basically shove you know, everything from the WhatsApp post to, to, to everything, um, through that platform so that we didn't have to do it. We, the beginning part would be, um, uh, us having the post, uh, and then from there, everything that trickled on would, would be kind of automated at that point. So, um, from there, we would do a social, social sharing thing that we would then do, um, an automated, uh, a- advertising at that point. So we would do on Facebook ads specifically, we used to call this the digital door knocking experience where we would basically drop a pin on the property that we are selling, we would put a radius around there and we would target every person over a certain age group who most likely is selling at that point. Uh, not most likely is selling, but most likely is a homeowner at that point. Um, and we would target all of them uh, with the same property. And we would put specific messaging on there, be like, um, you know, new property to the market. And we would even say, um, come stop by our open house. We encourage neighbors to check this out. Um, you know, this home's price value or what this home sells for is going to directly influence your home. Please come by. Please come stop by, um, and we'll, we can chat. We had more so, people come in through that specifically and want to know what their home is worth because we would then call it out in the advertising yeah. um, that this home is going to influence your home. And it's yeah, true. that's really that's really good wording. Your, this property sale will influence your property sale. Please come by and check it out. Like so, all of it's it's interesting how you, you you're saying that all of this marketing is all about getting a point where they come and either meet you and you can collect some type of data from them by way of actually then building your sphere of influence. You know, this, you know, this speaks to our business planning process and our business planning template that is available um, out there. Uh, obviously we can put it in the show notes or you guys can reach out to us, ben.brady at harcourtsauctions.com or chris.cochran at harcourtsauctions.com and we can send you the business planning template, which is all focused on doing all of these actions in order to build into a sphere of influence, you know, with the, with the privacy laws that are getting as tight as what they ultimately are, you look at Australia now, Chris, and you know the Australian real estate market as well as New Zealand, is that there's a do not knock register, let alone a do not call register. So if we're not building our process and we're not building our marketing around capturing data of people that are selling in that neighborhood or homeowners in that neighborhood, then you know once the once the privacy laws come out, you'll see what happened in Australia and New Zealand is 50% of people trying to start off in the industry got completely wiped out because of the fact that they didn't have that data source or those relationships that were ultimately built. 
and that's what that's what I think is the biggest caveat to this is the, so when those DNCs the do not calls and the you know do not knock registers and everything like that come out the easiest way to get around those is advertising 100% yeah. and and so if you're uh, putting a proximity advertising on social channels where it's Facebook or it's anything like that the geographical targeting if if you're doing that you're and you put value in front of people people will give you their information if mm-hmm. you give them actual value whether it's you know yeah, and it could be as simple as this is the list of every home that's sold in the last year. And yeah. and that's publicly available data, but it's just stuff that they can't really find very easily. Um, so if you say here, download every home that's, you know, sold in the Forest Ranch area in 2022 uh, and what they sold for the bed, bath, the square footage, everything like that. And you put that on a graphic and you and you and you target your farm with it on direct advertising you don't have to go door knock um that was one of the biggest things is as as a person i mean everyone hates to door knock i i would say there's very few people and, and they Agreed. might have yeah they might have yeah, something yeah. going crazy with them uh, I, I often i often say that about expired listings is that it's like it's like people that get on the phones and don't get me wrong this is a really really large part of our business you know and, and people out there but you know the mental stamina and the mental tenacity that you need to get up five days a week for for however long you're going to do it for and talk to people that don't want to talk to you and tell you to go away you know you've got to have a different sort of level of rejection that you're comfortable with a hundred percent it's like i i I would never run a marathon or like an iron man or something like that i appreciate the people who do do it but i would never do it (laughs) and so like and i i tried it i i I did the door knocking i I walked through and did all that stuff and i said there has to be a smarter way there has to be a better and easier way and that's where i started looking at you know automation through facebook advertising and you know everything how can we advertise on instagram how can we provide value so they actually want to talk to us they invite us to their home they want us to knock on their door like that that was kind of the big thing and how does it also empower our uh door knocking efforts at that point as well because um if we you know constantly are in front of them on social media and they feel like we're already intertwined with them like ben you you know you're running the podcast and everything like that people start to feel like they already know you when they listen to you for hours and hours on end um 100 plus episodes um they feel the same way when you start putting ads in front of them and it's valuable ads and stuff like that so when you go door knock it is easier for them to open the door and they're like hey i I think i know you i've seen you somewhere it's like no i just i literally moved here six months ago but i've been targeting your home for three of those so that's why you know me so so as we get down to it you would target people around it to book pull them into the open house. Now let's say that the property goes into escrow inevitably. Okay. Or do you give them updates? Like, so that ad is running the entire time as that property is on the market. Now property is going to sit on the marketplace a little bit longer, you know, in the time effect of where we're recording this episode at the moment, Chris. So, you know, I guess that, I guess that, do you just keep that same ad running the entire no. time or what do you, what do you do? So everything for our business specifically was centered around open houses. A hundred percent. We, and for me, a hundred percent, because I moved to San Diego. I was originally from the Pacific Northwest. I, I had no sphere of influence. So the open houses for me were, were key at that point. Like I, I needed people to show up to these open houses so that we can build our database. Cause I didn't have a database yeah, and we're yeah. sitting in these, you know, Brian Buffini meetings and everything like that. And they're like, you got to target your sphere of influence. And I was like, I know six, people in San Diego. (laughs) I worked with five of them. And so like, I knew nobody was looking to buy or sell a home. And and so I had to figure this out. Um, So yeah, I would target them around the open house. And I, we created these open houses that were like events. um, And we specifically wanted to make them a big deal at that point. So all of our ads ran to that. Now, this is whatever your big event was. I mean, this could be an auction day, this could be whatever your event is, your, your, like your big aha moment for the property. 
um, that's what I would target your your ads around. And I would keep them within your budget. So if, if you only have $100, $150 to spend on this from a property marketing standpoint, you know, space that out, space that out for the next week before that and don't run it before, like any time before that. So yeah, so th- it's for those of us that are that are dummies when it comes to this. So again, like at the end of the day, I'm so I'm a little far removed from it, because Chris, you're the one that does a lot of that stuff for us at the moment as the journey we go through with Harcourt's auctions is that uh, like, can you set budgets on on, yeah. on properties? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so you can set a total budget, a total lifetime budget, uh, like when it comes to advertising on any platform. So if you think that your demographic is on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, or anything like that like you can set total lifetime budgets and then you can also set daily budgets um so daily budgets are great um this is this i and i would say we come from the australian market a little bit like i come from the american but then i went to australia they do this hand over fist over there um so like and they do this because you know they have this thing called vendor paid marketing over there where the vendor the seller uh, there's their term for vendor so the seller actually pays for a lot of the marketing efforts that happen for properties while here an agent has to take on that responsibility most of of the time here and so an agent is very reluctant to you know give part of their commission or give part of their fees away um to then you know, market. Well, the it's, ultimate, it's ultimately the uh, it's ultimately the upfront cost of it before exactly. they actually it's the risk. paid. It's the yeah. risk of that that that, that does, doesn't come into the play. So, so marketing it all through to the actual event itself in order yep. to then pull as much data as you possibly can, and then you're running multiple running running that for, um or for the lifetime spend or anything along those lines. Now, the one yep. I just I don't want to I don't sorry I keep getting off track a little bit, but um people always think that Google AdWords are the way to go or like or like all like promoting it on Google and stuff like. Chris, you were the one that opened my eyes to that is that there's you, there's just no chance you're out spending any of these big players in order to get any type of real traffic on Google, correct? Yeah, the the only time I, you can, you just have to get very niche and very targeted um, to, to your advertising. So okay. um, if you're going to outspend the players, Zillow and all them and, you know, truly a Redfin, everything like that, they're all going to win when it comes to any and even a lot of the companies like Compass and stuff like that. A lot of them are going to win. Uh, when you're when someone's searching San Diego real estate right, or San right. Diego realtors, um, blah blah blah, um, so they're going to win in that stance. But if you're being very targeted and you're driving down all the way into your farm area, you can win at that. But you just got to understand that you're not going to get a lot of volume. Um, right. There's not a lot of people in the world who are searching for 4S ranch homes for sale. And if right. they are, but they are very targeted and, and you're able to capture them, you're going to get a couple leads out of it that'll be actually beneficial for you. And right, so right. that was something that we had to. Uh, shift when I was working as head of digital marketing for an actual uh, broker in 32 states was we we had to shift our thinking from you know Houston real estate to actually mm. going into the farm areas because Houston real estate was costing us way too much money um, and wasn't providing any benefit because it was people you know window shopping at that point yeah. um, if they're diving into a specific marketplace from a Google AdWords perspective then they are more likely interested in in buying in that area so like people would search you know one of our number one search terms was uh, homes near the Gulf course of Rancho Murado. And it's long tail. And it's, you know, it's only maybe two people searching that a month. um, But those two people that we get in front of. And so um, you have to pair those and, and do find different ways to be able to advertise directly to those people. Okay. Okay. Well, the other part that I, about this all, all that we're talking about is the advertising on Facebook and different things along those lines. The one thing that even if it's not generating you even any seller leads or traffics to your open houses or or really any awareness whatsoever, the one thing that I believe that it, it, it really is fundamentally beautiful for is that you can take a post on Facebook or Instagram or wherever it may be, and then you can pull the hit report from it. Like, you know, like a, 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 the other day, Chris, you did a video for us that had like 3,800 views, which was a real, real, 
uh, which was a reel, but then you take that to your seller and you show them, hey guys, this is the level of exposure that we're giving you. Now, now yes, they can put two and two together that it's the, not the right type of people or whatever it may be, but why are they so in love with how many people look at their home or save their home on Zillow? You know, you know, it's because of the pure exposure that they need. And most of the time a seller needs a process of elimination when you put an offer in front of them, it, even if it's at the amount that they want, they still need to understand that you've done everything in your power in order to expose the property and that no one else is out there that is looking to pay more for it. That is a peace of mind process of elimination for them to sign on the dotted line and feel good about it. And I think that this really helps you with this stuff. But going one step further, signing the dotted line, once the property had sold or gone into escrow, what would what were the differences and what were you doing? Because I know that you'd spoken about the automation of people coming to the open house, sending them text messages through, what was it? Um, uh, uh, easy text. Easy text. Yeah. Uh, e Z text, is that right? Yeah, E, the letter Z text. Uh, and there, yeah. there's other platforms. There's uh, Twilio and stuff like that that you can use utilize these days. That was just the easiest for us at the time. Yep. So then would you, once the property had gone into escrow, or even if you'd had an offer, would you then send out to the list of people that, that were that were had had come through as a point of contact a hundred percent and yeah. and we would also enrich uh that list and so the good part when it comes to the open houses and kind of utilizing that as your data like um gathering exercise and i that's what i would look at it as is it's not a lot of data that it's impossible to enrich like yourself so i can look through those you know 80 people come through my open house or 100 people or 200 people whatever it is uh, i can look through that and i can match that list with either title or I can match that list with, with a lot of things out there. And I can be able to see who's buyers, who's sellers, what, what does this look like? Um, and, yep. and from my personal experience too, in the open house, I would take really good notes. And so I would say, you know, possible buyer, possible seller, um, neighbor, X, Y, Z. And so you yeah, yeah. man, it, it just pisses me <laughs> off. Like, I, I'm sorry. I just think out of a rant walking into an open house and an agent is sitting there on their phone yeah. not taking down people's information because they don't want to awkwardly ask them for information. Ultimately, coming into your space, into someone else's home, you should be getting their information regardless of whether it's legal or it's not legal or whatever it is. Like you've got to, like getting people's information is just so important to your business. It's so it's so frustrating when you don't see people doing it. And, and we looked at it as a security concern. A hundred percent. We looked at it as, um, you know, you're coming into my client's home. My client is trusting me. My client is not here right now. Yeah. Um, and we need a log of everybody who comes in. And then we, and then we would, clearly ask them clearly um would you want us uh you know us to send you more information about this property or you know uh more information about properties in the area whatever we kind of thought from that standpoint um and that would basically opt them into marketing communications mm, um and mm. you can figure out your own legal jargon on how you would ask that and how you would get consent um but i would do that on every single one and if they said no i don't want to receive any emails i don't want to receive any text messages perfectly fine yeah don't send them anything yeah, yeah don't like again they're not the people that are going to be communicating with you or possibly your future clients anyway exactly yeah and if they say no and, and they're that bullish yeah my goal was well by the time i get them through the property to change that idea and yeah. so to give them enough value to give them enough information to give them enough handouts that i had at the open house anything that it was to give them enough value where they change their mind and they actually want uh me to communicate them uh, communicate to them further so that that was my like i, I would have this selfish competitive goal um if someone said no and so like <laughs> I, I still have your information i will not send you anything but i still need it for the log and, and to make sure you know if anything gets stolen or anything like that like yeah, yeah. I, I have your i have your information um but you know now it's internal selfish goal where i'm going to give you enough value and i'm going to like wow you and charm you where now i'm going to make it so you want to receive texts and emails from me right after and, this. and i think and i think that another opportunity that it presents as well 
well. And I know that this doesn't lead into the marketing or automation side of it, Chris, is that which which I love because it just layers beautifully on top. If you've got somebody that's being a little bit of a hard ass on on things, is that giving him a follow up call, ring, ring, ring. Hi, Chris. This is Ben Brady. I met you at Twenty Eight Smith Street over the weekend. Do you remember that property? Oh yeah, Chris. Chris, part of my obligation is actually to get some feedback from you so that I can give it to my clients so they can make a more informed decision around their real estate decisions. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion of things, you know, and, and again, like, you know, they're probably not going to be a buyer of the property, but you're giving one good feedback to your sellers, but two, hopefully showing a level of service that you can provide to them if they were ever looking at selling, because clarity is so important for people making decisions. The other thing I would say too, is don't be afraid to turn people away. Like a hundred percent. Don't be afraid. I, the one of the the my shining glory stories was uh, when people came into our our property. Like we literally would say, you know, our seller is requested because of like the thefts that are happening in the area and everything like that. That everybody sign in and register in our open house. Um, and this guy completely didn't want anything to do with this. He he was like, we are not signing our names on this. You're just going to market to us, blah, 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 which we were. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so and so he was like, I'm not signing. I'm not giving away, giving away my personal data, X, Y, Z. Um, and I said, that's fine, sir. Um, per, per my seller's request, you can't come inside. Yeah. It just is what it is. And yeah. I, I apologize. I can give you a flyer. Um, you know, here's a flyer. If you have any more information or you want to schedule a private showing, feel free to reach out to me. My number's on the flyer. Um, and then he tried to come back again. We said the same thing. Yep. Uh, he left again and then tried to come back a third time. And we were like, oh man, this guy's walking across the lawn again. He's walking on the grass. Like, here we go. Um, and he walks through and he goes, hey, hey, I really want to see this property. I'm like, sir, we've told you twice already. And he goes, I'm glad you're sticking by your guns. We're actually going to sell our home in the next three months. And we want a, an agent or a team who is going to be like, like, for us like he's yeah. they're, they're going to be um a hundred percent in our court and do whatever we ask from that standpoint now they're gonna uh, this kind of raised a little bit of red flags like there might be a tough seller in the future but hey a seller is a seller in, in my in that market and so Absolutely. yeah so that was one of our claim to fame stories by just sticking to our guns and and sticking to what yeah. we told them our sellers wishes were they a hundred percent used us brought us on the listing presentation that we listed the home which well, was tremendous. Uh, well chris chris the one thing that we've done and part of this is is learning through this is that the auction process there is a legal obligation in order to get everybody's information because you've got a set date on when an event is going to happen to communicate yep. with everybody that comes through but also in the contract it stipulates that the sellers request everybody to give you their information for the same reasons that you've given if anyone feels uncomfortable with this add it to your listing agreement as one of the conditions or get a, a, a separate document which is an addendum to the listing agreement that literally stipulates I, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, whatever the name is, request that everybody that enters my property, uh, they give their name, phone number, and everything for security purposes. And then you actually have a legal reason or something you say, our sellers have requested this. And unfortunately, because it is their property, I'm going to respect their wishes and make sure that everyone gives details. As you said so eloquently, you know, I think that people respect it. But also, guys, this is one of the reasons that on average, people are getting three more leads out of an auction than what you're getting traditionally. Because of the obligation of people to give you the information and the obligation to then follow up in order to understand where everything's going because of that set date. We're a little off track. Yeah, um, so I'm going <laughs> to bring, I'm going to bring us back on track with just a, a little bit more because this is really valuable stuff is that, is that let's say the property's closed now. What, what, what's the process after that, mate, for you? Yeah. So, so quickly I would enrich that data a little bit um, based on my own notes and based on, you know, title or anything else that I needed help with. So I would enrich that data a little bit and then I would um, 
parse those people into different lists. And so oh, I would okay. say these people are buyers, these people are sellers, these people are neighbors, and I would deliver them different information. So if they were buyers, um, I, I would send them directly out um, from that standpoint. If um, And I would send them, hey, this property just sold, but here's similar properties that you might be interested in. Um, if they were potential sellers or most likely sellers, I would say, hey, you know, this property sold. Um, it directly influences the value of your home. Let's figure out what your home is worth. Um, let's sit down, X, Y, Z. Um, are you free on this date? Blah, blah, blah. And this would be a personal email. It would look like a personal email yeah, um, yeah. For, for a lot of these. It wouldn't seem marketing, uh, marketing-y, but it would be the same script that we'd run on pretty much all of our properties unless we uh, listed a home previously in a short period of time in that area. Then we would yeah. flip up the, the script a little bit. All those would go out automated. So I would have those scheduled for the moment we listed that property um, for when we sold it. And, right. and then we would even invite people to um, uh, basically not, not like a housewarming party, but it was like um, it was like a seller celebration situation like um, like. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but it was, it was oh, kind no, of like no. an, yeah, it's like welcome yeah. to the neighborhood or exactly. goodbye or a, yeah. a yeah. farewell party yeah. or something like that. Yeah, 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 it was like a welcome to the neighborhood and it was it, it was that situation. And we, we would encourage people to have this kind of like sell, home like party um, situation for when the new people move in. And if the if the buyers weren't comfortable with that, we would never push it. But if they were nice and, and we knew them and everything like that, we knew a lot of people in the area because it was our farm, um, they would move in and we'd say, hey, we know a lot of people. We would love to, you know, at the park down the street, have like kind of a welcome party. We would give them their gift, their closing gift at that point from a buyer standpoint, even though we didn't even represent that side. The little things like that just went a long way. So yeah. we would automate a lot of the communications when it came to um, the sold. And then we would also post on Facebook. Um, and that that part was the only part that wasn't automated. We wanted it to be a real situation where it's, you know, our client talking about how happy they are, or it's, you know, handing over the keys at that point, or it's, you know, putting the sold sign on the actual sign, um, little things like that, or holding the sold sign in front of the house. Those were the only things that we didn't want automated because we wanted those to be a very personal touch, mm -hmm. um, very, very emotional post and everything like that. So people actually saw that we cared about our clients and then we got yeah. the right result for them. Because automation is beautiful and I, and I think that it's wonderful, but you can fall into the trap of being too automated and then there's, it's too metallic. And then I've seen agents that I think I've mentioned this before to you is that, you know, that, that you, don't, you don't even like their post anymore. You don't even take notice of it because you're like, oh, another automated one because it looks the exact same as everything else. But I, I guess that from an automation perspective, Chris, to sort of round this out, whilst people are relatively intimidated by some of the things that you've said, if they are, and they're not as curious as how to do this, is there like, like, um, Pfeiffer is a sort of a company that you can sort of ask, like, like, and put like something posted out there to say, Hey, I'm looking for help to automate a process. Yeah. There's a bunch of, I know there used to be like Odesk and Zendesk or not Zendesk, but like the Odesk and stuff like that and Upwork and Fiverr. And there, there's a lot of places that you can find kind of marketing automation. What I would say is, is the first category for that is find out what part of your business is just kind of that tedious part. It's that annoying part where it's like, man, I got to make another Facebook post and whatever you're thinking that's like that, um, figure out how you can automate that. Yeah. And so if it's an email and it's like, man, I got to write this, e like, I don't, I, I keep failing on writing emails for my listings and not getting the most exposure for them. Yeah. Okay. Automate that. And, yes. and then you can kind of Google online and say, you know, marketing automation, or, you know, you can find someone who's around, but yeah, I would look at Fiverr, Upwork, uh, any of those kind of like outsourcing, uh, yeah, because they, they could, 
like that. Because they could build it. They could build you some type of process and the way that it works. And then it is, it, it, it's always going to need a little bit more attention than just individually building it, but it could give a really good landscape to how to ultimately use it. I know that, you know, Callista, who's our operations manager for Harcourt's Auction, she's built some automated systems through Airtable and Zapier integrations and all of these different things, you know, that have worked for uh, for some of the teams that we work very closely with through the their process of listing and everything along those lines. But I guess without going down too deep a rabbit hole, anything else to add, mate? I would say with the things of like, you know, this might be a rabbit hole, but with the things of like AI and and, and everything that's coming out there, there are a lot of ways to automate uh, everything from your property description to your emails. Um, like there, there's things out there, chat GPT, if you, if you haven't heard it already, um, dive into it um, and take a look at it and how people are using it from a real estate standpoint. I would do some research. We'll probably have an episode completely centered Absolutely. around that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is, there's ways to automate literally everything from, from yeah. the head to the toe of your business. And I would say from any communications, even just seller updates and stuff like that, like there are ways to automate a lot of that. So you're sending text messages to sellers. doesn't seem automated. It doesn't feel automated, but it does help you streamline your business a little bit, especially if you are, you know, a one person shop. Yeah, I think sitting down and doing a content calendar of every touch point of your process that you're looking to do to the to then have an ideal platform can really help in the automation of it. And, and like, again, it's not going to automate 100% of every touch point that you want in every scenario, but if it can take away at least 50% of it, then, then it's 50% less that you have to think about from a consistency perspective. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate Thank the gems, the pearls of wisdom when it comes to the, the marketing landscape that is out there. So about 75% of our audience hasn't liked, followed, or subscribed to our podcast. It would mean the world to us, and it would help this podcast more than you know to expand our reach if you were to like, follow, or subscribe on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening on. Thanks again.